0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitts. Today we are doing, as we have recently started doing here on the podcast, an actual full preview of the Kansas women's basketball game coming up. And, man, it is a big one. Kansas is looking to avenge the last loss that they had in Big 12 play. I was surprised myself when I realized that the opponent coming up on Wednesday is the last team to have beat the Kansas Jayhawks. They are on a seven game win streak, the biggest one in the big 12 at this point. And coming up next is Iowa state. One of the leaders of the conference here that uh, are going to give Kansas lots of problems because they sure did last time to help me preview coming back to the podcast. Uh, Jamie Steyer, Johnson, JSJ, one of my co-hosts over on the Ten Twelve 12 podcast. Uh, and then also her own, the cyclone family podcast. And of course, she is one of the, or let's see, it's the radio color analyst, right, for the mm-hmm. women's basketball team over at Iowa State. So, Jamie, how are you doing today?
1: Oh, I am great. I'm super excited. It's going to be an awesome week of basketball. And any time that I can talk women's basketball, not even once, but, like, multiple times across shows on the network this week, I'm, like, living my best life.
0: Oh, yeah, no, it's it's fantastic, because we talked about it, obviously, for the Monday episode of the 10 12. And, and then I heard you over on the Midwest Midwest madness podcast, which uh, you know, that would, that was great at all, but or, as well, but like, it's just weird having, I, I keep having to pinch myself how competitive this big 12 conference is on the women's side, because again, usually it's Baylor and one other team. And we're just kind of like, is it over yet? Because nobody yep. else really cares at that point, And it's, <laughs> you know, it's all about trying to get ready for the big 12 conference tournament and hoping someone can sneak into the NCAA tournament that way. But um. Yeah. This is a. This is quite the race. Kansas is only a game back of Iowa State and Baylor at this point. Um. Those are the three teams that I think have a legitimate chance of actually winning the Big Twelve Conference. Uh. Oklahoma mm-hmm. and Texas are one game behind of the Jayhawks. Um. But with only four games to go, it is it is a big ask to try to get them to jump up and and even get a share at this point. We talked about that on Monday, but it's definitely worth reminding everybody that you know this is this is a a unexpected competitive conference that we have this year. Um, and in fact, the biggest surprise I think is the Kansas Jayhawks being right up smack dab in the middle of it. So um, we are here though, to talk about the actual game coming up uh, against a very, very good team in the, the uh, Iowa state cyclones. Look, we watched them absolutely demolish Kansas and, um, Right off the top here, what I mean, like what did you see from the last time that you think is changed at this point? I, I think that there's a lot that's different with both of these teams, honestly. Mm-hmm. But what's the one thing that jumps out to you the most that Kansas fans should, you know, latch on to as why this game is going to be different than what we saw last time?
1: Well, I mean, I'll go with a couple things because for one, Iowan Hot Sleonte didn't play in that game. You know, they Kansas showed up to Ames and I'm sitting there talking to my mom, who, you know, coaches at Iowa state pregame, and she notices I'm getting distracted and I'm staring at someone. And she's like, what are you doing? And I go, mom, that's Hatzelionte. She's not suited up. She's not warming up. And so no one knew that she wasn't playing. Um, And so that was obviously a really tough loss as far as Kansas goes, because she's just really agile. She's a difficult, difficult guard. She can really stretch it out at the four, especially now that you've got Tiana Jackson down low, able to hold it down. You're able to give Leonte a lot of space to work. And so I think that that's something that's certainly been a huge benefit. Um, and, and beyond that, Like I said, I mean, Jackson was great against Iowa State the first time, super efficient. She was six to nine from the floor. She had eight rebounds. She was still kind of coming into her own, I think, and she's developed a ton over the course of the season already. And so you just have kind of a a different confidence about this team. At that time, Kansas was three and four in big 12 play. You are looking at it as another instance of, oh, you know, you have a fairly easy non-conference and then you come into the big 12 and you're just kind of gonna muddle through it. And then all of a sudden you go on this huge tear. Uh, And so for Kansas, I think they just have a lot more confidence. They found a lot more weapons and it's always tough because Iowa state does play really great defense. You know, you're going to have Holly Kersgieter most likely held far below her season average for points because Lexi Donarski is going to guard her. And that's just what Lexi does. But to Kansas benefit, they found other people who can make up. For that scoring, you've got Zakiya Franklin, you have Tyana Jackson. Like I mentioned, you have Iowan Hatzelionti back. You've got people coming off the bench like Chandler Prater, Julie Brusso who are, I mean, terrific, you know, to different points, shooters, slashers, you know, a lot of different weapons that you can find. And so they've been able to find different ways to win. It doesn't have to be one person putting the entire team on their back, which is, I think, what a lot of people expected Kansas wins to look like this year
0: yeah well and and kind of to your point like the fact that Holly Kurzgeter is probably not going to hit her season averages isn't necessarily a big deal especially Mm -hmm. since the last few games you know she she obviously went out during the West Virginia game and was dealing with foul trouble early um you know you had several players that really stepped up there El Tayeb um Jessen both stepped Mm -hmm. up big in those games and really kind of helped push them through and of course Sakaya Franklin had an absolutely phenomenal game um in in that particular one but even against texas tech like you know kansas has found a way and they're they're probably one of the unique teams in the big 12 because if you look around the rest of the big 12 everywhere else in the big 12 you have a clear star on that team a clear lead person kansas doesn't really have that i mean yes it's kind of holly kersgeeter by by uh default because she's my reputation yes yeah there there we go like she was the one everyone expected to, to be the leader of the team. And, and to be honest, she, she's definitely one of the emotional leaders of the team. um, And and you can usually tell how the entire team is going by her contributions, whether it's points or other things that she's doing, but Kansas spreads the ball out a whole lot more than I think most other teams in the big 12, because they have so many other players, you know, they don't, they don't have anybody that's going to compete for big 12 player of the year. They don't have anybody brought honestly, who probably would even be considered in top 10 because there's just so many other really good players. Um, or, or maybe bottom of the top 10. But they have a lot of, like, if, if you expand it out to, like, 15 to 18, I bet they would probably have a good five players, you know, in that kind of um, ballpark there because mm-hmm. they have a lot of really good players that know what they're doing and come together really well the way that they play. Tyna Jackson has been has been getting better every single game, which is going to be absolutely huge for them to have, you know, that presence down low. Um, yes, she was great in the, in the first game against Iowa State. But like you said, with ha- with Leonti you know, not being available for that particular game, it definitely made it a lot harder for them to do what they normally do. You know, yeah. she's usually helps a lot with the spacing. She helps with a lot of the different things that they're trying to do. She's a huge part of that defense as well. Um, and so, especially since it, you know, there was no indication, like you said, that she wasn't playing. So it's not like it, they had, you know, several days to to account for the fact she wasn't going to be there. It seemed like it was a last minute sort of thing, which definitely made it more difficult. That is going to be interesting to kind of see how all of that comes together. But I, I do want because I, I can guarantee you, unfortunately, that most Kansas fans that are listening to this don't, you know, aren't super familiar with the Iowa State roster even. Um, but so obviously, Ashley Jones is the name that jumps out. That's who everybody knows because she's, you know, one of the best players in the conference this year, if not the nation. Um, who else on this Iowa State roster do we need to be aware of?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, that's the thing is you talk about how Kansas doesn't have the one star you have to rely on and sure that's Ashley for Iowa state, but they also have one of the most balanced attacks in the big 12, I think as well, because you've had people really stepping their game up over the course of the year. I think that the kind of default before the season was assuming that it's going to be Ashley. And then the next one up is going to be Lexi Donarski. Um, who absolutely has had a terrific season, but there's so many other people who are major factors as well. So Lexi Donarski is really the defensive spark plug for Iowa State. She takes the toughest defensive assignment, no matter who Iowa State is against, unless it's, you know, like a 6-6 guard or a 6-6 post. She's not going to be guarding Aoka Lee, uh, but she's going to take whoever the best guard is. She wants that assignment. And so she holds opponents well well below their season average for points for percentages you know if you have any familiarity with where the league's at Taylor Robertson's one of the best shooters that the big 12 has ever seen frankly and she was held to five points by Lexi over the weekend so uh, in addition to that you know she can score she can absolutely score it's She's hindered a little bit sometimes, maybe by how much energy she expends on the defensive end of the court. But last meeting, she did have 14 points against Kansas. So beyond that, you've got Emily Ryan, who's the point guard, best point guard in the Big 12. I mean, I'm biased, but I don't think that's much of an argument at this point. She had 17 assists a couple games ago. Um, She's averaging about seven in conference play or seven per game this season. Um, she's, she's really terrific. And she's, you talk about kind of the emotional heart of Kansas's team. That's who Emily Ryan is. She's the leader. She is who everyone kind of turns to when there's a dead ball, when something happens, she's the one who's kind of gathering the troops. She's the floor marshal. So beyond that, you just have so many different people who are capable of doing big things. Aubrey Jones, Ashley's younger sister, her best game in conference came against Kansas. So she had 16 points. She's a dead-eye shooter. Um, She's an absolutely terrific three-point shooter, but you have a bunch of other people who are capable of making those shots as well. You've got Maggie Espin-Miller-McGraw. She's a great shooter as well. You've got Nymere Dew, who's kind of that stretch-can-play two, three, four, really athletic. She had what Coach Fenley called one of the best plays he's ever seen at Iowa State on Saturday where got a steal, uh, passed up to her with just about two seconds left on the clock at the end of a quarter, dribbled up and just kind of stretched from nearly the free throw line to lay it in. So really long and athletic. But um, yeah, mostly, mostly you're going to be looking at a lot of Ashley Jones potentially Emily Ryan has the ball in her hands a lot. And Lexi Donarski takes a lot of tough assignments, but you could have any number of people have a great game.
0: Yeah. You talked about, you know, the three-point shooting for Iowa State. And (laughs) look, they seem to like, it seems to me like that's all they know how to do is just shoot three pointers (laughs) because like I'm looking at the game against Oklahoma and it definitely doesn't seem to be, you know, out of place for them, but they shot 43s in the game against Oklahoma, you know, and they only had 66 shots. Like, mm-hmm. is that normal for them? Are they looking to shoot the three pretty much every trip down the down the court?
1: Well, Iowa State, that's always been kind of the MO of the program. Uh, if you followed women's basketball for any length of time, you'd know that that's, that's Iowa State's preferred mode of scoring, but it's not by any means the, the only thing they want to do. It's, if they can get it, They'll absolutely take it. Everyone on the court at any given point in time can shoot the three. That includes the five man, either Morgan Kane or Beatrice Jordahl. They generally don't unless it's a really specific situation, but they can hit them. Okay. But I mean, the first time Iowa state played Oklahoma, they were eight of 28 from the three point line with 78 total shots. They had 50 shots that were inside the three point line. And then, Oklahoma kind of switched the way they guarded it. Things were way more open. They were finding the open three. So they're going to take the open three, but they absolutely more than almost any other team that I've seen at Iowa State, they're way more capable of scoring inside the three-point line as well. But if those outside shots are there, they will, yes, absolutely 100% take it.
0: All right. So I do want to kind of look specifically about matchups in this game and there's one other topic i want to ask you about but i do want to end the first segment on a good note so we're going to go and throw to a quick break we'll be right back on the rock talk podcast
1: basketball season is finally here big 12 fans and for your home for men's and women's basketball come to midwest madness we are doing game coverages going over game analysis, different rankings of teams and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have. So go check out Midwest madness available wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: And we're back. All right. Here with Jamie Steyer Johnson, uh, women's or color analyst for the women's basketball over at Iowa state, among all the other things that she does. (laughs) But, uh, but look, I, I didn't want to ask before the break because I wanted to go out and break on a good note, but obviously the the game against Texas, like I promise I'm not trying to rally you up here, but <laughs> having, knowing some of the conversation we had about some of the, uh, the, the or the way that that game went, what was it that Texas was able to do that really kind of flustered or frustrated Iowa State, and how much of that is actually repeatable moving forward?
1: For other teams? Correct. Okay. So I'll give you my short answer and then I'll give you my long answer. What they were able to do is foul. I mean, that it, it, it is what it is. You don't, you don't go against the team. You don't have a game earlier in the season for a team like Texas that gave Texas tech 44 free throws and a loss earlier. And then you go an entire quarter without committing a fat, like they were able to play really, really, really physical. Um, and that's the reputation that they've cultivated. And so, unless you are going to go down there and be willing to call a foul on every possession, which some people aren't, you so it's, you're not going to get those calls as much. So, but
0: so it's the old West Virginia Bob Huggins absolutely. strategy.
1: That's okay. a great comparison, but. Iowa state does struggle with some of the more physical teams. And so that is something that they obviously have had to try to develop. And Texas is just, gosh, just a really, really rough matchup. And it doesn't help when you combine having an off night with a bad matchup. And so um, those games have certainly been kind of the boon of Iowa state this year. Um, As far as being repeatable for other teams, obviously not to that degree but <laughs> yeah that's the thing is i mean you you have to have the reputation to begin with and no one else really has that reputation but beyond that you need to have that kind of scrappy mentality you need to have really really physical players and you need to be able to push the pace and so that's not something that we see a lot of other teams doing theoretically could they try to sure but I just don't think I don't I can't think of any other team off the top of my head that has the kind of combination of the really really big physical post, and the extreme quickness of the guards at Texas. There's a lot of physical posts. There's a lot of really good guards, but there's just a really specific kind of combination that works for them. But I will say that for someone like Kansas, you have to look at that and say, all right, Tiana, you're going down low and you're going to be really physical and just work through them. And you're going to try to force the ball down low. And then for the guards, you're going to say, Okay, you know, maybe Holly or maybe Zakai Franklin, you're going to go push the pace and transition and see what you can do. Uh, but I mean, the first meeting between the two, I would say did shoot 20 free throws. And so the pace and the physicality could end up working in Iowa state's favor. So I would anticipate seeing a pretty, pretty significantly different game plan to what Texas does, but there are some things you can pick out of there, like that physicality for Jackson down low and try to emulate that. Aspect. Yeah. It's
0: it's kind of funny because the more I look at Kansas and the more I like look at them compared to other teams and the way that they've been able to play. Um, they, they almost remind me of kind of like a chameleon where they can change what they're mm-hmm. doing because they have so many different options you talk about the quickness on the outside, you know, it's, it's not just the Kaya Franklin and Holly Gersgater, but also Anaya Thomas. She's come on in the last couple of games. She is fantastic. She had a stretch of like four minutes over the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter in this last game against Texas Tech, where she just completely took the game over. She was quick. She was, you know, tipping passes. She was doing all kinds of stuff and it completely changed entirely what was happening in that game for, for Kansas and really kind of sparked them. And so I, I definitely think that Kansas is, is, Kansas is essentially the light version of pretty much every other team in the conference where they can do, you know, they are versatile enough where they can do a lot of things similar to pretty much any team. They just can't do them quite as well. And so it's a matter of what ends up working. I I do think that the fact that they're going to be at home is going to be fairly helpful for them. They, They have played a lot better at home. You know, and they are definitely they they seem to be more physical at home too, which should play into what they're doing against Iowa State and potentially trying to disrupt what they do. But I think what's really going to have to happen is they have to make sure that they don't give Iowa State open looks from the three. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that's happened a few times. They've they've clamped down on it a little bit better. um, You know, but they they were late on some rotations against Texas Tech when they were running. um, You know, and going on a big run there. Mm -hmm. The the one thing that I will say you know, it seems like Kansas has, has an issue where they just go through lapses where the star player for the opposing team just does whatever they want. It happened yeah. against, well, and, and and I think it coincides with Tiana Jackson getting into foul trouble or Tiana Jackson just having an off time um, mm-hmm. because she is... As disruptive as you can possibly get on the inside, um, I, I would I would honestly argue that she's probably one of the most disruptive players in the Big Twelve when she plays defense. And Absolutely. so that is super helpful. It makes it a whole lot easier to kind of do what you want, or at least stop the other team from doing the, what they want. The question is always, how consistent is it going to be? Are they going to be able to go ahead and do that? So 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 coming into this game. Um, you know, is there like is there one specific matchup that you think is going to be most important in tra- in determining who actually wins this game?
1: Um I don't know that there's one specific matchup and part of that is that you may see zone from one team or the other for
0: good or both. chunks of the game.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, both because there's been zones that work really well against Iowa State. And the way that Kansas plays, I would absolutely anticipate seeing some zone from Iowa State against them or even some junk. So it's kind of hard to point out one specific matchup and say that's what's going to matter. Um, If I could point at like a key player I do think that if that's can go out there and really have a great game like I said she's a tough guard she'll be guarded by Ashley Jones anytime they're in man I assume Um, she's got I think probably a little bit of height on Ashley and so if she can try and get around her. Uh, that would definitely be really big. And then for Iowa State, just figuring out who that secondary scorer would be. Um, Emily Ryan, be looking at her to potentially have a really big game. She is from Kansas. And so she she has people travel everywhere like crazy, but especially when it's in town, she gets really good crowds. And I mean, she's someone who isn't super impacted by stuff like that emotionally. Um, but the way that her game has developed over the course of the season she's just someone who you can kind of point at as that secondary um but beyond that i think that the other really big thing is going to be the foul game like i said iowa state shot 20 free throws and kansas shot four in the first matchup yeah. like you said i mean kansas just got off to a really rough start and had a just a terrible time gaining footing the rest of the game um and like we said it, it's a really different game when one the the major facets of your offense isn't there. Everyone plays a little bit different. They played a little bit tentative. Um, And so I assume that that'll be a really big highlight of saying, go to the hoop, get someone in foul trouble, get some free throws. And then for Iowa State's part, they're one of the best free-throw shooting teams in the country. So they're going to look at it and say, hey, you know, we had this huge edge in the first game. Let's go out and try and do that again. So whoever's better as far as that goes is going to have a really huge advantage.
0: Yeah, I, I will say I don't think that the the first game is going to weigh as much in terms of game planning and how everybody will do everything because of the fact that Hatz Leonti was gone. right. Like, it's right. one of those things where, like— if, if you're a Kansas player or a Kansas fan, you know, trying to get hyped up for this game, immediately you point to the fact that, hey, they weren't at full strength, they were on the road, they had to deal with all that. Like, you can point to five or six different things that make you feel like they're not going to be as bad as that last time. Like, that was honestly, watching that game, was probably about the worst that I could have expected a game to go, you know? And then Kansas has been on an absolute tear since then, um, So which is which is great for them, not so great for everyone else in the conference, uh, which is fantastic. I, I'm, I'm loving that, but... Um, obviously, Iowa State, you know, is, is or dealt with some recent adversity, but they've been clearly one of the best teams in the country this year. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to what's going to happen here in this game. Uh, it's going to be super exciting. I'll probably be listening to your call because unfortunately, I will not be able to be in the building for this game. But, um, you know, so I'll be watching it on ESPN Plus, but trying to listen to your call at the same time. Just so that I can call you out on uh, the 10-12 on Monday when you, you know, we're being a little bit unfair to those Kansas players, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I said, you know, I try to keep it cool and I know all Big 12 basketball fairly well. So there's some, there's some pretty notable exceptions where my frustrations will get the best of me, but it's never personal. And I (laughs) I very much like the way that Kansas plays. So I'm excited about this.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, and, and honestly, I'm excited about the Big 12 down the stretch. We, we talked Mm -hmm. about this over on the 10, 12 this week, but you know, not only is this one of the most competitive conferences, but the top five are all playing each other. Like there's at least two games for each of those contenders against other contenders. You know, Kansas has four of them, but uh, you know, everyone else has at least two, Um, you know, and so the fact that Iowa state Baylor and Kansas, the three teams that have a legitimate shot of actually winning the conference this year at this point are playing around Robin um, is absolutely fantastic. It's nerve wracking, but it's it's fantastic for anybody that likes the drama of those conference races. Um, I mean, it, it feels like, though, that, uh, you know, I mean, this is a gigantic week for Kansas, of course, playing Iowa State here on Wednesday and then going to Waco to play Baylor on Saturday. The real question, I think, though, is, like, does does Kansas have to have this game? Like, is there is there a path for them to still with the way that everything else is going um, if they don't win this game? Like, I, I mean, it's hard to see them then going down and beating Baylor. But say that they go mm-hmm. one and one this week, like... Is that keeping them in the race enough, or at that point is it is it too much? Do you think for them to really compete
1: for for the top of the league, right
0: for um, for like a share yeah. Of the league, yeah?
1: So Kansas, yeah, Kansas would have to beat one or the other and hope that the right ones lose. Um, and since there is that one game lead, you'd have to have you just have to have people do you some favors. Um, If if you beat both of them, then you're all tied, right? Um, But if you're not, someone still has a one game lead, assuming they don't lose their second game of the week. So um, at this point, Kansas does as much as anyone else hold their own fate in their hands as far as a share of the big 12, but to guarantee that. or guarantee a shot at it if they, you know, quote unquote, take care of business the rest of the season, they, they would have to beat both teams, but there's still absolutely a path if they win one or the other, if you lose both, I don't know that anyone else is going to do you enough. Losing both. It's done.
0: It's done for sure. At that point. Um, But right. Like, I I mean, I, I think that you win both of them. You have to feel good going or playing Texas at home and then going on the road to Oklahoma at the end of the season. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you may not actually get it, but you at least have to feel good going into it. Uh, I do know that, that most Kansas fans are going to be gigantic Oklahoma State fans on Wednesday. Um, I think it's Wednesday. And then giant Texas Tech fans on Saturday. So, <laughs> you know, hopefully we can get some favors there from teams that that gave Kansas some, some struggles earlier in the season. But, all right, Jamie, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, like I said, this is absolutely fantastic. I love the fact that I'm actually able to talk women's basketball, and it's, you know, engaging and it's enjoyable and it's actually something that people want to actually Super listen
1: consequential. Yeah. Yes.
0: Although I will say I am absolutely uh, horribly upset by the fact that Kansas did not actually enter the AP top 25 poll.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's like I, I said to you in our text messages that women's basketball as a sport w- with the rankings, they heavily rely on preseason. They heavily rely on reputation. And so to break into that top 25 is Way more difficult than it probably should be. I think that Kansas is really deserving. You know, I don't know how they still are, you know, quote unquote flying under the radar when you're right ranked ahead of both Texas and Oklahoma. Um, but it, it just kind of is. The name of the game on that side of the sport. So hopefully, uh hopefully they can kind of shake the table. I have a game that I would prefer they not, but everything else is is fair game, is open season as far as I'm concerned.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, we'll we'll see how, how that goes. We'll see how happy Kansas fans are Wednesday night after that game. Um but yeah, no, it's definitely one of those, you know, you win one of these two games and you probably crack the top 25 next week so you you you
1: can't ignore if you win one of these top 10 matchups then I mean well
0: and it's also one of those things like you look at who Kansas has lost to this year right they lost against Tennessee number 11 Tennessee in the non-conference that was the only non-conference then they lost against a ranked a ranked Oklahoma team a ranked Baylor team a ranked at the time Kansas State team on the road and then got completely destroyed by Iowa state up in Ames. But of course we talked about everything that was happening with that one. So like, (laughs) yeah, like being 19 and five and in third place in the big 12 conference. Right. Yeah. And every single loss you have is completely understandable. You know, the other thing thinking about it too, is that like, uh, you know, that loss against Tennessee, if I remember correctly, that was, that was actually a fairly close game down the stretch and Kansas just faded at the end. I might, I might have that wrong, but I haven't looked in a while. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, it was, it was probably about, let's see, they had it within five with three minutes to go. So, yeah, it was, it was a close game down the stretch. And then they just faded at the end. Um, you know, so it's not like they just got completely demolished by every ranked team that they've played so far. They've, they've held into a lot of those. You know, they barely lost to Baylor at home. They've, upset a Texas a ranked Texas team on the road so like yeah if, if this was the men's side and the fact that they had won you know seven seven games in a row and they were some big 12 team that was trying to break into the rankings they would have been in there already um hopefully we get that fixed for you know future editions of the women's AP top 25 poll but now that I've gone <laughs> on my rant I really appreciate you joining me Jamie um for those that don't already know where to find your stuff online where where can they find you
1: Yes, you can find me on pretty much all social platforms. I'm most active on Twitter. I'm at J Steyz, J-S-T-E-Y-Z. Uh, my podcast on the 1012 network is Cyclone Family Podcast. If you're interested at all in the goings on at Iowa State, that's at Pod. And then, of course, I'm on our flagship with you over at the 1012, the 1012 podcast.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's one of those things, too. Anytime you can get a peek behind the curtain, of how a lot of these sports programs work. I love watching those behind the scenes ones. I've been watching the Baylor one on ESPN mm-hmm. plus, even though honestly, I, it pains me to see all the success that Baylor has and for them to talk about that all the time. So, <laughs>
1: um,
0: But yeah, no, it, you know, that that's a view that we don't typically get to see. So the fact you have on those guests that have all been part of it. And of course you have your own experience kind of with the inner workings of how all those programs work. It's fantastic. So I highly recommend, even if you're not a cyclone fan, which, probably the majority of you people listening to this or not, I still highly recommend it to get those kind of stories and to kind of hear about the stuff that actually happened. So, all right, that is going to do it for us today. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts with Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for rock chalk podcast, so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. If not, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Being part of the ten twelve network, of course, uh, you know we have a bunch of great shows over there talking about all the teams in the Big 12. I still maintain... The best way to know how the Big 12 is going to affect the Jayhawks is to know what's happening with the rest of the Big 12. So head on over on Twitter to 1012network, that's T-E-N-1-2network, uh, so you can get links to all the great shows over there. We are on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. Again, I'm still waiting for someone to leave me a voicemail so that I can actually include your comments in the show, your comments, your questions, anything like that. Um, you know, Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message. And I promise that we'll get it on there. So make sure you visit our sponsor here, Homefield Apparel. Promo code chalk 12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. And we're still holding out hope that Kansas is coming sometime in this big new Saturday. So stay tuned. Hopefully it happens soon. But uh, that's going to do it for us today. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time.
0: (gasps)